Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns lost 47-42 Sunday to the Los Angeles Chargers, and the game created as many talking points as points scored. Here to hit on all of them is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. How are you, Dave? Scott, I'm well, uh, as can be, coming off a loss, but it, you know, I don't think... I don't think it surprises a lot of people, but, you know, I, I think it's one of those games. And, you know, last week you went with the win. I went with the loss. But I think that was kind of, you know, the sentiment around town. I, I think some people thought this was going to be a tough one and they'd go down. And others thought they're going to go pull the upset out there in uh, L.A. In the end, it really could have gone either way. I mean, you could make the argument. And I felt this way at halftime. I, I actually sent out a tweet at halftime where I was like, I felt like the Browns should be up by more, but yet at the same time, I feel I feel lucky that they're leading. It was that kind of game, and that's just the way it ended up. Did you feel that way? That I mean, it just it's definitely one they could have stolen. Oh, for sure. And yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I would say stolen. They just could have won the game, right? I mean, they score 42, but I think you make a good point about the first half. And Baker Mayfield said the same thing after the game. He was really lamenting some of the missed opportunities and. You know, they settle for a field goal on the first drive. Um, Odell drops that fourth and two. So that takes three or seven off the board. And then they get that turnover late in the first half, and they only get three points out of that. And there was like 20 – they ran a play, and they gained like nine yards on first down. And they had a timeout and 20 seconds runoff before they get that second play, which winds up being a throwaway. Then they kick – you know, then they have to kick the field goal. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski said there's miscommunication. Obviously, the operation wasn't clean. You need to get the ball snapped much earlier than that or much, you know, quicker than that. So, you know, if you just look at that, you have a potential to score 21 points on three trips inside the red zone, and they come away with six in those three drives. And, yeah, that obviously is so many things were a turning point. And if if this play goes their way, they win because they only lose by five. But. I do think the offense in the first half had a big role in that. You know, we're going to spend so much time talking about the decisions late in the game, but the offense did, but that had a huge part in it because the Browns held the ball for like 22 to 30 minutes and to not have a bigger lead, you know, wind up being costly. Yeah, no doubt. So I guess, where do you place the blame? Cause there, there's so many ways you can go. Do you have one that sticks out the most? Uh, obviously fans want to blame the refs. Stefanski's taking heat for the decisions at the end of the game. Uh, obviously, the defense with the blown coverage and just allowing that many points in general. Yeah. And and then there's the injuries. So there, there's a lot of things, and you know, there's others, but those are kind of the highlighted ones. Where, where do you stand? Yeah, I, I go with the defense, Chad. I mean, you give up 49, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Injuries played a part in giving up the 49, but if you take away those two busted coverages, the 72 and the 42-yard touchdowns from Justin Herbert to Mike Williams, it's a different game, right? And like I said, we're, we could say that about a million things. But my point is those are easily fixable and easily didn't have to happen, right? And that doesn't deal with, well, Jadavian Clowney couldn't play and Denzel Ward left after nine snaps or whatever that number was. This is, it doesn't matter who's on the field. That can't happen and shouldn't happen. And so let the, me interrupt you real yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep your train of thought. I want to go right to this point. 
We had this conversation, though, in week one. In a big game against Kansas City, you said the same thing. These are fixable things, a dropped punt, uh, a fumble. Why is it that whenever we're in a big game like this where they could almost win, we're having to say that, well, these are easy, easy, easily fixable things. Well, why don't we fix them so we win them? Right. Well, I get what you're saying, but I think, first of all, I think that's how the NFL works. I think the Colts Monday night go, oh, if we fix this, we would have won. And pretty much right. most teams that lose can say that. Now, I, I think in years past, the Browns couldn't always say that because it wasn't one thing here or one thing there. It was the other team is so much better than the Browns from a good perspective and a coaching perspective. And now it's, well, the Browns are in position to win. Why didn't it happen? Great um, point. Now that doesn't excuse the defensive miscues. And I'm not going to, you know, I eventually the buck always stops at the coaches, right? So all the Joe Woods haters can come back out, but I mean, it's his safeties giving up those plays. And so it's not even the backup corners that had to be on the field. It's Grant Delpit coming down on a crossing route when he should have stayed deep for Mike Williams running a post. A.J. Green's fully expecting Delpit to be there. And then the second touchdown to Williams in the second half there, the other deep one, you know, John Johnson, the third is after the game, we're in split safety coverage. He goes, I expect another safe to be back there right where Williams ran to. And instead, Ronnie Harrison comes flying up the field because Herbert rolls right. He sees a guy running across. He comes up. Well, if you watch it, he's got to stay back, number one. Number two, I think Johnson's point makes sense because Johnson is clearly playing the leverage that forces Williams to go that way. Now, Johnson doesn't have anybody deep on the other side, right? From a defensive perspective, the left deep, nobody's there. So part of me says, well, why doesn't Johnson just run with Williams closer? And his answer is because he was expecting Harrison to be back. there. So, you know, these guys are guys that Joe Woods should be able to trust. And they had two big breakdowns in week five, and that shouldn't happen. But I will say that that's not something that I expect to keep cropping up. That's something that should get fixed. But when we point to all these things, and yes, you know, Stefanski said there's a thousand reasons why they lost that game. But if I have to pick up or pick number one, that would be my number one. So you had an article, saw you put it out on Twitter. Coach Kevin Stefanski sick about calling draw on third down says must put players in better position to succeed. And he explains other key call play decisions. That's your article. So that's a huge factor in this game. It really is. Especially because I just love the way he comes out and goes for it on fourth down. And I love his aggressive play style and calling. And then at the end of the game, it's just like a 180. Yeah, it's interesting, Chud. And we spent a lot of time talking about that with Stefanski yesterday. And we're taping this Tuesday morning. Um, So we talked to him Monday. And I felt like, you know, Stefanski always has the answers when we ask him questions, right? He always kind of anticipates what we're going to ask and doesn't feel like he pauses much at all. He paused before he answered a couple of questions yesterday. And, I, and I'm sure he was expecting questions, but I think he was just trying to explain himself, make sure he explained himself how he wanted to. And your point about him normally being aggressive contrasted with that play call and there was a play call in the first quarter on the first, Browns' first drive. He, he called a third and 14 draw inside the red zone. And, you know, there's a little bit of give up in those calls, maybe more than a little bit of give up. And uh, I can, you know, he had an explanation for it. But my point is, yeah, I think it is worth noting that that feels 
so different than his normal approach, right? Go for it on fourth down, go for it for two point conversions. And I, I understand there's a difference, right? Like when he goes on fourth down, it's because he feels the situation is right. Right. And him and his, him and the organization and their analytics people have all come to an agreement that if you're in fourth and X from the X yard line, it makes more sense to go for it. So he's already conditioned to do that when it's third and nine from your own, whatever it was, 15, and you're clinging to a one point lead and you have two backup tackles and maybe you're worried about your quarterbacks, you know, torn labor in his left shoulder. And you have all these other factors playing in and on second down, you thought the refs blew the call and you expected the clock to be running and the charges to use a timeout. So you thought you'd have more time to call the third down play. Like all these things are a factor and it's the heat of the moment. And so I think that explains a little bit of the difference between being aggressive and not being aggressive in that cir- circumstance. I'm not saying it excuses it. I just think that's part of the explanation. Um, but just specifically that third and nine draw call. Um, it's, it's just too, you can't give up in that situation. And you knew that their defense wasn't going to be able to stop the Chargers, right? They had an all second half Chargers wind up scoring 26 points in the fourth quarter. You can't think that, Hey, our chances of winning are better by punting back to the Chargers. And that's what 39 draw call the cream hunt is. It's handing the ball back to the Chargers. So, I think he needed to throw the ball there. I think he needs to trust Baker Mayfield. He needs to trust his tackles. And I understand being worried about Blake Hans and James Hudson, the third being your tackles in that spot. But if he had had a time, if he had had a second to collect himself there, Stefanski, he would have realized that second down when they threw it, those two guys protected Baker Mayfield had all day on second down. And he tried to throw an out and up to Donovan Peoples Jones, which takes some time to develop. And yes, the officials missed the call. Peoples-Jones got shoved out of bounds. It should have been a penalty. And then Baker had time to look to Rashard Higgins. And so my point is the tackles held up. I think you had to trust in your tackles, trust in Baker Mayfield on third and nine there, because if you punted, you're probably going to lose the game. How about at the end when they basically, well, they pushed Eckler into the end zone. You agree with that? I mean, that, that you, you got to get, get the time on the clock. I guess the only reason I'm asking, I'm not saying I disagree, but yeah. what I'm saying is, is there the philosophy of, hey, maybe try not to let him get in the end zone and try to kick a field goal where the guys missed a couple extra points? Yeah, it's interesting, Chud. Five years ago, I hate, I would have hated it. I yeah, mean, I remember, yeah. I forget whose Super Bowl it was. I want to say it's Holmgren coaching the Seahawks, probably against Pittsburgh. I could be wrong about that, where they let him score. And at the time, I thought, I, I just hated it. It felt, it felt so surrendering, right? And that's not a word, but yeah. like, right? You're surrendering and play defense. And maybe they fumble, right? Maybe something wonky happens and you win the game that way, right? And you're winning the game, give yourself the chance to the end. Having said that, the numbers are clear that the guy's going to make a 22-yard field goal, whatever percentage that is, 95% of the time, whatever the number is. And the two extra points he missed were 33 yards, right? So this was an easier kick. Um, I get that that factored in, right? It's not like it's Justin Tucker where it's automatic. So I, I think you have to think twice about, okay, this guy has missed two extra points. I still think that was the right decision. I think you have a better, and it's all about win probability, right? That's what all the, the data is. Do we have a better probability 
going forward or punting? Do we have a better probability getting seven points versus three? I mean, that's what all these decisions are about. And not that, not that the data is guaranteed to follow, right? I mean, it's not, it's just, you have a bunch of numbers, it's big math and all that. So the point is, you have a better chance of winning if you get the ball back with a minute 30 um, down five than letting the guy kick a field goal when you're up one. And I, I really believe that those numbers suggest that or tell you that. And I think it is the right thing, but it took me a while to get there because it, it feels wrong to let another team score. It does. It does feel weird. Cause you, you brought up a good point. There could be a fumble there. You never know what might happen. That said, the way they were walking all over the defense. I mean, it's just, it's something I, I, I think there's a better chance that there'd be a missed field goal, even though the percentages say it, than, um, you know, the Browns, I just don't see them keeping them out of the end zone. So you might as well, you know, that they're there. And let's be honest, Eckler wasn't even trying to score, which was funny. The Browns pushed them in. Well, that's, so, I mean, that's the thing. If, if the other yeah. team doesn't want to score, <laughs> right. Then, then you kind of do what the other team doesn't want you to do. I mean, Staley thought that, it was illegal what the Browns did. He said, now if our guy's giving up, they're not allowed to put him in. And I haven't gotten clarification on the rule yet, but, um, and it felt like Eckler was still moving his feet. So I, I think the Browns did yeah. the right thing. And I think they were in the right there. But I, I think if you're the coach, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you say, well, the other guy's not even trying to score. So obviously he thinks that's the best way to play this. Yeah, no doubt. Let's talk about the refs now. I, I mean, it, it was bad. It was bad. I, I, and I, I don't want to put that as the reason they lost this game because there's so many, again, and they said it yesterday, don't put yourself in a position where the refs can cost you the game. There were some bad calls. One thing I want to get clear, though, there was one, I know some people were upset that Njoku got knocked down on the Hail Mary. Well, that evens out in my mind because the Browns knocked Thielen down last week, and you gave a great explanation of why that wasn't called. So I don't think that should have been called, but that doesn't excuse the other ones. There were multiple missed calls here. Yeah, there were. And I, I, get, I get the fans' frustration, and I get the players' frustration, right? Um, there's some obvious calls that they blew, and I mentioned that Donovan Peoples-Jones one. It is a big call, right? We're not talking about third nine draw if it's first and ten. And more time is off the clock. Um, the A.J. Green pass interference against Mike Williams was a horrible call. Um, you know, the hands to the face of J.C. Treader was, was a bad call. They should have called that. Now, you know, the holding is such an ambiguous call that you probably could have called offsetting there. But instead of first and 20, it's first and 10, if, even if they're offsetting. And then that changed how that drive went. So I, I get it. But. I don't like blaming officials. I think that's weak. Um, I like Kevin Stefanski's answer. We can't rely on the officials. We have to do it ourselves. You know, you give a 49 points. I have a hard time blaming one official call, one official's call on the laws or even two or three. And I also think we have to keep in mind that all the calls that Browns fans are complaining about, there are probably calls that the officials missed that helped the Browns and nobody ever remembers those, right? That's just how it is as a fan base. And how right. it is as a player. And, you know, I'm not saying they always even out, but I think over a long haul, they do even out, right? After the Browns, the officials don't have anything against the Browns. It's just they're human. They make bad calls. Even like on that green one, live in real time, there's contact, right? And you see that. And I'm so used to that being a defensive pass interference that it didn't surprise me that the flag was thrown. 
Now, of course, when you see the replay and it's slowed down, you're going, oh, my gosh, how could they how could that guy screw that up? Well, it's it's because they're big, tall, fast guys jumping and there's a million things going on. I mean, I know that that's the ref, the official's job, but I don't think that was such an easy call as it wound up being when you watch it on replay. Now, we you talk about should there be an eye in the sky? Should you should you be able to review pass interference? All those things are, I think, worthy discussions, but. I don't think you can blame the officials. I don't think the officials cost the Browns the game, even though there were some egregious mistakes. How about that final drive? I got to be honest. Never do I feel like they're going to win a game right now in the two-minute warning at the end against the Chiefs, now against the Chargers. Like, wait, it just seemed like, I don't know if they were, I don't want to say playing for a Hail Mary. I've kind of seen that written places, but I remember just watching it being like, why aren't we doing some like down and out patterns simple to, to get out of bounds and and get, get closer to the end zone. It just seemed like a weird series of plays. I just, and it felt like a blur and it just never felt like it was going to work. Yeah. And I want, I think this is a good topic, Chad. So I want to, I think the bigger, the looming question is, well, do you not trust Baker Mayfield? So we'll get there in a second. But first oh, yeah. is but first is the actual play calls. And you know, they run a they run a hook to Higgins, it gets him six yards, he doesn't get out of bounds. And then Stefanski said that he called a route or a play with four verticals, right? Which means four receivers go deep down the field. You try to find the match matchup you like. Well, Baker winds up dumping it off to Kareem Hunt. So the play call is to throw deep. Baker didn't see what he wanted to see. He dumps it off to Hunt. He wants him getting tackled short of the first down. So then Stefanski calls a play to get it to Hunt real quick because he says we need to pick up the first down. So all of a sudden, instead of on second down, you gaining 15 or 20, it takes you two plays to gain five, right? And now you're down to 26 seconds or whatever or whatever it was. So um, that's how it happened. And, and I don't, you know, I didn't watch the all 22, so I don't know if Baker had somebody open on those or not on that one you know, four vertical routes. Um, but my point is, I don't think Stefanski was just saying, we're going to dump it off, dump it off, dump it off. He was trying to push it. Circumstances changed. And all of a sudden, you get to the 46 and you throw it up into the end zone, you know, three times. Now, Baker seemed to have Odell on a crossing pattern there on, I think it was first down from the 46. And maybe you get down to like the 35 of L.A., and then there's, you know, whatever, 15 seconds left, and you can take a couple of more reasonable shots into the end zone. If, if he catches it. If Yeah. Well, I mean, he dropped one ball, Chud. Guys drop balls. Um, oh, well. Your well, point well, is taken. No, it was a, a fourth down drop. It was a fourth down drop. I get it. He should have caught it. He should have caught that it. That was awful. That was awful. It was a bad drop. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, they also <laughs> they only threw it to him three times. Um, but, right. right. So, yeah, it, it could have been better, right? The mechanics of the drive. Could have been better. You'd like to see him get way closer than a Hail Mary, right? Which is what they wound up doing um, a couple of times there at the end. Just kind of throw it up in the end zone. Um, you're right that there should not have been a penalty call, penalty thrown on the Hail Mary. Even if, first of all, I think they just kind of ran into each other. There's a bunch of bodies and they all fell down. Um, but it's got to be a really obvious call for there to be a, a penalty on a Hail Mary. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so that's how it happens. And a minute and 31 when you get the ball back, I don't care if you have no timeouts. That's plenty of time to give yourself a better shot than a Hail Mary from your 46. So I, I completely agree that it that it didn't turn out well and it didn't look like 
it didn't look like it should. But getting back to your original point, which I think is more interesting, is you say I didn't trust them. And why is that? Is that because it's Baker Mayfield, not Aaron Rodgers, not Justin Herbert, not Patrick Mahomes leading the drive? Are you asking me? Yes. If So ask that question again, because this is, so, this is an interesting topic. Yeah, so you said <laughs> I didn't trust him to score, right? You didn't think the Browns are going to come back to win that game. Cor- it, oh, right. right. Yeah. So why? Yeah. Is, did you not trust them because Baker Mayfield's a quarterback? Oh, man. I don't think it just hinges completely on that. I just know from, from what I've seen, for whatever reason, in the two-minute drill, I believe this is – I think I'm going to sum it up this way. When defenses know the Browns aren't going to kill you with the running game, it's a lot easier to stop the Browns, and that's ultimately what happens in the, the two-minute drill. We saw it in Kansas City. We've seen it now. And I'm not saying he's, it's never worked in the past. And, no, I am not going to put it all on Baker Mayfield, but I do believe that it goes back to my point that I have originally made. Yes, I have said that when you have an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or now Josh Allen or somebody of that nature, I believe that you have you feel more confident. I guess my confidence in the, the end of the game with Baker isn't just quite there yet. So, But I'm not completely putting it all on him because, again, you just went through it, some of the play calls were questionable. So – it's it, it's not all on him, but yeah, I guess maybe that's that's how I feel. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not, and I completely understand that. Now, Baker's led game-winning drives before. I looked up the stat yesterday. I think it's six game-winning drives in the fourth quarter when they were losing. Um, not always at the end, but just in the fourth quarter, um, which is significant, right? The game's on the line throughout the fourth quarter. Um, you know, six over 50 starts isn't – you know, I mean, yeah, and, whatever. And let me, and, and we're going to get to, I put out a tweet yesterday that, you know, it's funny. I, I don't tweet a ton. I do here and there. Uh, and I've put out tweets before where I feel like, Hey, that's pretty funny. That's going to get some attention. I wonder what people might say to that. And there's like nothing. And then I put out this simple thing yesterday, just cause I saw a little bit of action on Twitter. I think some national people were going after Baker and um, I, I know that it's out there and it's pretty much out there every week. Right. But yeah. basically, my gist to, to my uh, – and, you know, I can get the exact wordage of it here um, in a second. But basically, basically, I said, for those of you tired of criticism Baker Mayfield gets, it will go away when they win big games and they do so by Baker leading them to victory on the final drive. And there's gotten a ton of reaction. And I'd say it's split. A lot of people agree and a lot of people don't. Now, the haters and people that don't like what you write, they're much louder, right? Yeah. Um, but and some of them make good points, and and your point there is that they yes he has come back to win games in the in the fourth quarter no doubt. My point was simply that when the national eyes are on big games like this, not against the Bengals who you're supposed mm-hmm. to beat anyway. Listen, I'm not walking away from a Bengals win. Now they're getting they're getting better, but I usually don't typically typically walk away from a Bengals game going oh wow. We pulled it out in the fourth quarter and we beat the Bengals. Well, no, I want to beat the Bengals by two or three touchdowns. Obviously, it's the NFL that doesn't always happen, but I'm trying to make a point. Yeah. So the national people have their eyes on games like Kansas City when you have the top announcers there. Games like this in L.A. where it's two you know, great teams going at it. So my point is not like with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. What I'm trying to point out is that 
you will quiet the criticism when you are able to lead your team to victory when the pressure is on in the big moments in big games on that final drive. So that's what I was talking about on that tweet. You do make a good point, though, that he has won games in the fourth quarter. Listen, Baker Mayfield's turned this franchise around. No doubt about it. I have no problem with them drafting him. I am a Baker Mayfield fan. I think he has done an outstanding job, but there's still one more step to take before you can put him in the names of those other guys. And that's ultimately how you are going to win a Super Bowl, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% correct, Judd. And before the season, we talked about, okay, how do they get where they want to go? And it's Baker plays well in the biggest moments of the biggest games, right? There's, I have a hard time figuring, coming up with a formula that the Browns can get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl without Baker playing great, right? And not great all season, but great against the Ravens, great against the Chargers, great in the, in the playoffs. Um, that's just how this league works, especially when you're going to be going up against great quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, right? They're going to score points. Your quarterback's got to score points. Your quarterback's got to do it at the end of the game. Um, I, I just think that's reality. So, yeah, Baker still needs to prove that. Now, my only – when I quote that stat, it's to say that it's not like he's never done it, right? And it's right, a year right. ago when he does it against Cincinnati, and I know you say it's Cincinnati, but, I mean, he didn't miss a pass. Like, it was, he was like 26 or 27 or whatever that stat was to end the game with only incompletion being that spike. He brought him back. He leads that two-minute drive. He throws a touchdown to Donald Peoples-Jones, right? So he shows he can do it. He led a bunch of fourth-quarter drives against the Ravens last year to put him in position to win that game. And then Lamar Jackson just was able to do it with the ball at the end. So we've seen it, but when it doesn't happen and that's the last thing you've seen, yeah, it sticks in your head, especially when you see Justin Herbert have no trouble moving the ball against the Browns' defense in the fourth quarter. Um, and I, I, I kind of feel – I get what you're saying. When that drive starts, it's, yeah, they have a chance to do this, but it's not like – it's just not like it is with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. And we've seen him do it time and time and time again, right? Just like you felt when John Elway was a quarterback of the Broncos. Not to bring up that name, but he's as good as it was in those yeah. quarter comebacks, right? So Baker has not gotten there yet, and – you know, part of that's opportunity, part of that's being young, part of it's he's missed some chances to do it, right? He had a chance in the playoffs against the Chiefs and didn't do it. Um, in the opener against the Chiefs and, again, Sunday against the Chargers. Now, I think you're also right when you say it's not just Baker, right? I mean, there's it's the whole offense. It's the play con. All that goes into it. Now, quarterback gets all the love, quarterback gets all the credit, and a lot of times deservedly so. Um but it's not just Baker Mayfield, but we're going to pin it on him anyway, because that's how the league works. And he needs to be better in those spots. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I do have one final point. I think it's interesting when you say, um, how, you know, the Browns rely on the run game so much, right. And that's their identity. And, you know, they ran it 35 times Sunday. Um, I, I wonder if when you play all game like that, if it's tougher for the quarterback then to say, we're going to drop back and throw it six times in a row or whatever the number it is, right? Is it, is it tougher to do that when you haven't operated like that all game where Mahomes and Allen 
and Herbert do some degree, it feels like that's how they operate all game long, right? Mahomes drops back and throws it all over the place. Josh Allen, they never run the ball in Buffalo, right? So it's not a difference when you get to the final two minutes is, hey, we're going no huddle, hurry up. You got to pass protect every down. They know we're going to throw it. It's just different than – I think other teams, and I'm not saying that the Browns should overhaul their offense. I'm just saying I think that is an element into either why you don't feel comfortable, confident in them and or why they haven't had success. Well said. I mean, you make a great point there. And let me be clear, too. Baker Mayfield's not the reason they lost that game on Sunday. He just isn't. And for anyone to say that he is, that is wrong. But what he didn't do is – just take them by the throat and win the game. Like I've said this before, it's like great quarterbacks, great athletes can, can come through and make it happen and overcome your deficiencies. You know, the injuries, the defense sucked, you know what I mean? And, and they're not always going to do it. I'm not saying that, you know, they, I'm all right. Let's say that Baker's in that position 10 times. He's not going to do it all 10 times. Okay. But maybe he could do it four or five. You know, so I just want to I just want to see it happen at some point late in the game again in a big game when the game's on the line, because that's just that's how we look at things. You know, Michael Jordan and LeBron James, they're they they get compared to as, you know, the greatest athletes of all time. But I've seen a quote even Michael Jordan's made of how many shots he's missed in his career. But we don't think about the ones he's missed. We think about the ones he's made and, 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 and being clutch. And that's what it comes down to. We want to see Baker be clutch. And that has nothing to do with, you know, he's a lot of people are like, oh, well, do you want one of the other quarterbacks from the past? No, I don't. I think he's the best one along with Tim Couch that, that they've had. I, you know, I know there's been a couple flyers there, but overall, you know, I, I, I think he's done a great job and I think he can be the guy to, to lead them, but it just, Hold on one second. Sorry about that. Uh, um, got a little away from myself there. I, I think that <laughs> I I think that he can be the guy. So that's the thing. Like yeah. it would be one thing if I was sitting here saying there's no way that he could ever be the guy. And and quite frankly, he is the guy. He's the guy that's helped turn the Browns around. Again, I don't want one of those other quarterbacks. But at some point, okay, we can't just sit there and make that excuse anymore. At some point you know, the past is the past and you have a great team right now and the present is the present and you don't want this window to, you know, close. And, and I think the window can stay open for a while, although we know in the NFL things change quickly. <laughs> so I, I guess that that's my point there. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, I think it's unfortunate. And But he also thrives on motivation, right? So, yep. you know, let, let him continue to be motivated. It is interesting. You make an excellent point there, man, about, um, you know, the way the, the style of the game is played throughout. And, you know, I just it's also tough when you have Herbert on the other side, just, man, throwing up beauties. And I know that the defense, you know, helps him with the wide open guys. But that guy, man, he's big. He can run. I mean, there are some great quarterbacks in this league, no doubt. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think that's the backdrop for this is, you know, for however many years, Baker Mayfield is going to be competing with, Mahomes and Allen and Herbert. And yeah, it's not just, and you know, don't forget Lamar. Um, and it's not, it's not just those guys, right? It's their teams, but it does start. It starts and ends with the quarterback. So, uh, you know, that's what the comparison is going to be. 
Um, I, you know, I, I don't get the sense of Baker panics uh, or chokes. Like, I, I don't get that sense at all. It just feels to me like it just feels to me like it hasn't happened enough. And, and that's how this league is, right? We we overanalyze every game, every possession because first of all, that's what we do, and I think people love it. And that's I know fans do the same thing. Um, and he's not get, like so he had, he didn't get that opportunity in weeks two, three, and four, right? They won those games. So we're not talking about Baker in the fourth quarter, you know, Baker in the last two minutes, although he missed, you know, he missed a throw that would have ended the, uh, the Vikings game, or actually that was that miscommunication with OBJ. But uh, I still, my point is they win those games and it's, it's not a front burner topic, you know, front of the mind topic. And all of a sudden it is again in week five. So he's going to need to win a game like that. I think for fans to feel better about it. And then he's going to have to do it again. Right? That's just how, this works until you build up enough collateral where if one doesn't happen, people go, oh, that's all right. He's already done it enough. Yeah. And I love his commercials. I love his interviews. I'm telling you, I, I did a story on channel three uh, before I joined the morning team back when I was still doing sports. And I did a piece on Baker Mayfield. And I said, if this guy takes the Browns, the Super Bowl. I don't even know, not even wins it, but just takes him. Obviously, if he wins it, I could make yeah. the argument for just getting him there. He'd be the greatest and biggest sports athlete in Cleveland history, even over LeBron James. I mean, and I, we, I don't want to debate that right now necessarily, but and it could go either way. But because the Browns are so big and the way they were with the 80s and Bernie Kosar, I mean, you can make an argument that Kosar is the most beloved uh, Cleveland player ever, right? So yeah. I, I really believe. The, the quarterback that takes the Browns to the Super Bowl, especially a guy like Baker, is so charismatic. So, uh, again, not this is definitely you're, – you're not getting hate. I'm just trying to be realistic here on Baker because I, I think I'm, I try to be in the middle. I try not to be where the fans sit and, you know, no matter what – I mean, listen, fan is fanatic, right? You're going right. to cheer for your guy no matter what happens, and that's great. I appreciate that. I am one. I've been that. But I'm also not going to be like the guy's – and the national media that are just out for an agenda to hate and get clickbait. That's not what I'm trying to do here, nor are you. I'm just trying to, you know, state what I see. So I, you know, I think we broke down pretty good on that. Uh, anything else on that before we move on to my, ne my next question for you? No, we're good. Dude. I mean, OBJ, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot excuse that drop. Listen, we see these one handed catches and, Oh, he looks so great in practice. Practice. But what are we talking about? Last week, we're talking about miscommunication. This week, we're talking about a drop pass. What's it going to be this week? I think it'll probably be eight catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns, Chud. <laughs> how, mu how much do you want to put on that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he, he should have caught the ball, right? I mean, there's, there's no two ways around it. He should have caught it. Um, if you want to play, make excuses for OBJ, uh, and I can't, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Baker waits to get him the ball. Baker looks to hunt first. OBJ is open. By the time Baker turns to OBJ, he's already looked like he was worried about running into coverage. So he takes his eyes to the defense and takes him back. He sees the ball. He should have caught it. I'm just saying it wasn't in perfect rhythm. It shouldn't have to be in perfect rhythm. I'm just saying that's how the play played out. Should have caught it. Cost the Browns at least three points. Now, I also say guys drop passes in this league all the time. Every receiver drops passes. Jarvis has great hands. He drops passes. 
it happens. Kareem Hunt dropped a third down pass the other day on Sunday on that, I think it was a two-minute drive to end the first half. Now, it was a hard pass. It wasn't a great catch. It probably wouldn't have changed how the first half ended. Nobody's complaining when the ball hits Kareem in the hands. Not the same play. I'm just using that as an example. Um, It's OBJ. Everybody gets up in arms. I get it. It was a huge drop. He should have caught the ball. You also have to throw the ball to OBJ more than three times. Now, I know the Browns are running it great. I know David Njoku caught seven passes. Baker still threw it 32 times, I think. I think it's 23 for 32. Nice bounce back for Baker, by the way. Um, that should have been included in the Baker discussion. We talked, we killed him after the Vikings game, rightfully so, because he was 45% completions, bounced back, threw it well, a lot of completions. I feel better about Baker moving forward with the torn, partially torn labrum in the shoulder. I think in, unless he gets another big hit, we can put that to the side, um, even though I think it is real and I think it does affect him. But I like, I like the fact that he played well with the shoulder injury, and I think that gives him confidence and allows him to continue to play well. Back to OBJ, should have caught it, but you need to throw him the ball more than three times. And whether that's Baker not looking to him enough because he's worried about forcing the ball because of all that criticism he's taken in the past, if it's Kevin Stefanski not calling enough plays specifically to get Odell the ball, um, he's too good to only get three targets. And it feels wrong saying that given that they scored 42, right? Like they scored 42. So Stefanski called a hell of a game, but if you take a step back, Odell needs more than three targets. All right. I'll, I'll let you have that. And I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait another week or so to keep talking about Odell. We'll get, we're going to give him a a pass on that and uh, we'll see if he can bounce back and uh, get it done against Arizona in the future here. But at some point, at some point, I mean, I saw someone put a tweet out the other day. Like, I don't know. Do you have in front of you? Like, I think how many games he's been with the Browns and he only has two over a hundred yards. There's some stat. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's well, my assignment. That's my assignment to you, student pet track. Oh so I want. No, I mean, it's. He's, I mean, I want to say he's played twenty-five games with the Browns. So two out of twenty-five is a bad. It's a bad um, ratio. But and I don't want to. I don't want. We got I know, but just real quick, let me just say, Baker missed him a ton against the Vikings and didn't throw him against um, the Chargers. I don't think either of those is Odell, Odell's fault. The drop is, but the rest of it's not his fault. Yeah. Well, and, and let's look up that number two, because I don't want to just take yeah. uh, okay. a g- glancing off of what I saw on Twitter. Sure. And it was real quick and passing. But w- w- between the two of us, let's look that up and see yeah. how many uh, 100 yard receiving games he has. At the same point, though, you know, it goes back to that. Is there something there with the chemistry with them? Why isn't he getting more right. uh, thrown to him? And then why is when he is getting the ball thrown to him, there's miscommunication. So there's definitely still something there. We'll let it work out. Let's not jump to it yet. Let's give Odell a little bit more time, and, and we'll keep talking about that as the weeks go on. I will say this, though, man. Entertaining game, Scott. I mean, oh. you know, it, it, the, one thing I'll say, the Browns and Kareem Hunt said it yesterday. They have proven to me they can play with anybody in the NFL. It's just a matter of, you know, getting that win at the very end. But, you know, and again, we've always said in the past, at least they're there now. They, there's no doubt they could they could beat anybody. Uh, now, would I pick them to beat the Bills in the AFC Championship game? I don't know about that, but I definitely think they, they can stand with anybody. Yeah, and I think that's why 
I think that's why expectations are so high, Chud, is because everyone feels like, yeah, they're good enough. And they are good enough. And we've seen that. We saw it against the Chiefs in week one. We saw it against the Chargers Sunday. They're good enough to win these games. It's just a matter of how many are they going to win. And then what happens when, you know, I'm assuming they get to the playoffs, right? I mean, that's where we are with this team now. And I, I think that's fair. I also think it's a little sad. It's probably not the best word, but that's what I'm going with. But like, it feels like some fans, and maybe it's just the knuckleheads that text me and tweet at me, um, don't enjoy it, right? It's it's all, man, It's is Baker the right guy? It's killing Odell. It's killing Stefanski. Like, there doesn't seem to be enough pleasure being taken in the fact that the Browns are good. They're going to be good this year. They're going to win a bunch of games. And maybe that's just the NFL and fandom. But there does feel it, it seems to me there's maybe more criticism than um, enjoyment. And, and I find that a little, I don't know, disconcerting, I guess. Scott, that is life, unfortunately. Yeah, right. and, right. I mean, you know, <laughs> what one thing I've learned now doing, uh, well, it's not just now I've been in the news business my whole career, but I mean, it's, it's not just sports. It's, you know, it's just the, the approach sometimes, unfortunately, yeah. uh, but moving on, Hey, I don't have time to get into it now. Cause sure. I want to do, but remind me next week, I want to talk about my theory with uh, fourth downs in the NFL. And I want to take it back to the playoff game last year against Kansas city, but uh, okay. uh, running out of time, but I definitely it, you, you real quick, we're, yeah. we are seeing teams going for it on fourth down way more than ever. Right. Oh, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's young coaches in young, it's, it's coaches who accept analytics and accept the data and that win probability. And that's what it boils down to. Yeah. I want to talk more about that next week, but uh, sure. all right. Uh, we always like to get to injuries, obviously. Wow. I mean, you look at uh, the Browns print out their post-game notes, right? And uh, you go down the list and it was uh, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, Jack Conklin, JOK, uh, Stewart. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, where are we at injury wise right now? Yeah. I, I wish I had more uh, definitive answers. Um, Stefanski, you know, said he didn't have the MRIs back. Sounded concerned to me um, when he was asked if any of them could be long-term. I don't want to speculate who that might be. All I'll tell you is the injuries, any injury is troublesome, but the fact that they're key positions is even more troublesome. So corner is as key a position as you get outside of quarterback. And Greg Newsom, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, all dealing with injuries. Now, Newsom should be back, whether it's this week or next week. So that's good. It's not a long-term thing. Denzel, you know, it's a neck. He started the game, played, made a tackle. It was nothing weird about the tackle, but came up kind of like moving his neck around like you do if you sleep funny, um, and then left the game one play later. So it had bothered him in practice. You know, hopefully it's something that can be dealt with and he can play through it. Greedy was in and out of that game, dealing with the shoulder. Hopefully it's not the same shoulder, um, but we don't know. Left tackle, right tackle, right? Wills will be back at some point. It could be this week. Conklin's been dealing with a knee injury. It crops up in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, that one is concerning because, you know, if it's a knee injury that requires surgery, who knows how much time. I'm not saying it will require surgery, but um, he's a guy that's real important, right? Played at a pro, all-pro level last year, was an all-pro. Um, and then the other one that um, 
I think you have to pay attention to is Jadavion Clowney. He was supposed to play through the elbow injury, right? He didn't practice a couple of days last week because of an elbow and then gets the warm up and his knees bugging him. And that's why he doesn't play is because of the knee. Now that's not what hurt limited him in practice. So for the knee to crop up like that, and he's had knee surgeries before we know he's had a long injury history. Um, it feels like that's something that the Browns are going to have to monitor every week and kind of have a little bit of doubt going into game day. Is the knee going to be okay? Right. Cause they didn't like, that wasn't even expected to be a problem Sunday. And then all of a sudden he can't play because of it. So, um, and he's a key, right? Defensive end is a huge thing. He's supposed to be your bookend to miles Garrett. He'd been playing really well. That defensive line dominated the last couple of weeks. So, um, all those are worth keeping an eye on, and all of those are concerning because they're such important players in, in important positions. All right, you ready to move on to the Cardinals? Yep. Here we go. Arizona Cardinals, the only unbeaten team in the NFL, come to Cleveland. 405 starts. God, you know, there's something about, and I've mentioned this before, obviously primetime games are so special regardless of what night it's on. I mean, it seems like Sunday night's the big deal now. Monday night football throughout their history so big. Thursday night football, just primetime games. But there's something about that 4 o'clock game on Sunday that I will always love. It, it just always seems like that's a big deal as well. And especially when you know it gets darker earlier yep. and the lights come on and it starts getting a little colder. And it's still not going to be cold. It's going to be in the 60s. But you get what I'm saying, man. The, yeah. This feels like a big game. And I love that feeling. And, you know, here we go. They have a chance to hand Arizona their first loss. Yeah, it, I, I'm with you. And I, I think the sun going down and it getting dark does add to the atmosphere. There's no doubt. Um, for me, it's a balance between you get to sleep in versus you're riding on deadline <laughs> a little more, right? So, we, again, I got to weigh those two factors from a selfish standpoint. But yeah, I mean, it's a big game, right? I mean, the Browns are who they are. Arizona's 5-0. and oh. I think they're the only unbeaten team in the league. Um, Kyler Murray is way exceeding my expectations. I thought he was too short and too unorthodox to succeed in this league. And he certainly feels like he's proven me wrong. He's leading the league in completion percentage at 75%. And it's not like he dinks and dunks it. I mean, he, he scrambles and then heaves it down the field. He's a really good deep thrower. He's got targets. DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore, the rookie out of Purdue, is short but really electric. Um, Christian Kirk. A.J. Green. A.J., thank you. Oh, my gosh, I almost forgot A.J. Green. A.J. Green, who seems like his career has been resurrected. Um, you know, on defense, they got Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt up front. And Isaiah Simmons, you know, starting to play well in that kind of hybrid linebacker role. And Buda Baker. I mean, they got players, so it, it's definitely going to be a challenge. And, you know, obviously 5-0 and o is all you need to say. Yeah, and it's not just 5-0. and o. I mean, yeah, one of them, one of the wins was against uh, the Jags, but, but here we go. They beat the Titans. They handed the Titans their lunch in week yeah, one, 13. They beat the Vikings 34-33. Then they beat the Jags. They beat the Rams. That's one of the more impressive wins in the NFL this season, I think, 37-20 over the Rams. Then they just beat the 49ers. Kind of a sluggish game there. I thought that uh, that might go – they might beat them a little more, especially with Trey Lance uh, at quarterback. Not that I'm down on Trey Lance, but just, that you know, I, his first time really playing. Sure. Um, 17-10. So, you know, they, 
they have a nice resume here, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I, and the Browns, you know, do you feel like the Browns struggle with the running quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody does. Um, yeah. You know, but Mahomes makes plenty of plays. Um, you know, we've seen what Lamar Jackson can do. And it, it's interesting because I watched – I went back and watched that Niners game, the Cardinals-Niners, and then I'd watched that Rams game on TV – or at least part of it on TV. And then I went back and watched the first half again last late last night. Um, you know, and Murray, it, yes, he can run like designed runs. Like every once in a while, they call a draw for him and he has, you know, an impact. And last year, I mean, he ran for 11 touchdowns a year ago and had, I think he had 800 some yards rushing last year. But this year, like he's not rushing as much. He only averages like 3.7 a carry. Um, but yeah, look, I'm looking at right now, three point, he's he, six rushes a game, which can be scrambles 3.7 to carry, but he has three touchdowns last year was eight, 19, 11 touchdowns. So when he wants to run, he can run and he does it in critical spots and he's tough to stop in the red zone. So, yeah, I, I think that's something the Browns are going to have to pay a bunch of attention to. I think that's where JOK comes into play. It's where three safeties come into play because you get more athletic bodies on the field and hopefully you can match up with him and try to take that away. But yeah, it's certainly a concern. And just as concerning is when he scrambles and sets his feet, then he can launch it downfield. And that means your cornerbacks who are banged up have to cover forever. And, and that's, you know, that we saw the Browns at breakdowns against the Chargers. It doesn't have to be a breakdown. He can still burn you deep. So um, that's, that would be my biggest concern is a scrambling Murray. And then can he find a guy downfield off of like the second effort? And, and I think the Browns have to be really careful about that. Now you can sack him because he's tiny. So if you get the right pressure, he can't see he'll take sacks and he takes big sacks because he tends to scramble backward, um, as opposed to stepping up in the pocket. So that's how the Browns have a chance to get off the field is putting them in second and third and real long by getting one of those big sacks. But as many times as he'll take that sack, um, he'll get outside the pocket and burn you. I like the chip on your shoulder ball between uh, yeah. Baker and Murray. Yeah. Oklahoma kids. Heisman yeah. winners. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Browns are a uh, two and a half point favorite at oh. home. So, you know, that's that again, that's respect to the Browns. Now, Typically, we always talk about this when you're the home team. Three is kind of the number. Like if you're expected to win it, yeah. then it kind of goes from there. You know, if let's say you're playing the Jags, that three could go up to like seven. If you're playing the, uh, you know, the Bills or something, it might go down from three to one zero or even not be favored. So that's kind of how that. That's typically right. The, the right. So neutral. Yeah, neutral site. It would be a pick'em, or the Cardinals might be a half point favorite. Right. There. So, you, yeah. There you go. So the but there but. You know, the fact that the Cardinals are unbeaten and, you know, that I think I think that's a, that's a good line. Two and a half Browns favored. So uh, are you ready to get to pick them time? I am. You or me first. Is it my turn to go first? No, it's my it's turn. Your turn. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, yeah you went first uh, last time. So last week, man, I got to tell you, you own. I'm gonna, this is how I always try to be as honest as I can. All right. I took the Vikings. I was wrong. I, I suffered my first loss in the prediction game. You almost swayed me to go Browns last week. I remember I, I'm like, man, Scott's making some great arguments. And 
And then I started thinking, I'm like, man, I, there were some uh, handicappers I was listening to throughout the week talking about the, you know, the chargers can't stop the run. The Browns are going to run all over them, which they did. They did yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things that I, I almost texted you and said, man, I don't know. I might switch to the Browns, but I held off. Cause at the end of the day, I went with my initial gut and my reactions and thought the Browns were not going to go on the road two times in a row. They weren't going to travel all the way to LA. I mean, it had a ton of fans there, right? I mean, yeah. wow, it sounded loud for the Browns, but at the end of the day, I stuck with my guns. I went with uh, LA and now we are both four and one on the season. So, I will go first. And I also stick with a lot of the same things when I make picks. Cardinals, man, they're going to be flying now across country to Cleveland. All right. I also like the four o'clock. Like, I think the Browns are going to, uh, I think Stefanski is going to rally the troops. And uh, I just think that the way the NFL is going you can't just pick an undefeated team to win every week. You kind of made that point last yep, week. Yep. Uh, I just think the way the NFL is going, this just smells like a Browns win. I think Stefanski is going to come up with a game plan to pull this one out, and they have never lost two straight games mm-hmm. with Kevin Stefanski as the head coach. I am going your Browns 34, Arizona 31. Wow. I like, I like a lot of those reasons, Chad. I really do the – Undefeated, eventually going to lose. Making a trip. They played back-to-back division games. Um, I like that Stefanski hasn't lost two in a row. All, all those things. Um, all those factors. I think, you know, when you look at the kind of three-game stretch, Vikings, Chargers, Cardinals, kind of think the Browns are going to go two and one in that stretch, which means they have to win this game. Um, I, I will say we always give ourselves the out that it's early in the week. I do need to see the injury situation, right? If if we get to Sunday or Friday, whatever, and we think that the Browns are down to, you know, A.J. Green and somebody who's not even on the roster right now, a corner, um, okay, we might have to reconsider. Um, depending, you know, if you're going back up tackles to start on both sides, might have to reconsider. Um, but right now, thinking that, you know, most of these guys will play I'm going to go the Browns. I think it's going to be close. I did not look up the line, the spread, until you told me. So that did not factor into what I was going to go with as a pick. Um, But I'm going to go Browns 28-27. I think it's – I mean, it's three weeks in a row I picked a real close game. Um, I just feel like – I feel like that's how the league works. But I feel like that's kind of where the Browns are. I feel Arizona is going to be able to score – Maybe not as much like I thought about going in the 30s. This feels like a compromise to me. Um, but I like the Browns bounce back factor. And I like them being at home. And I think this is a game, you know, if you're going to be the team we think the Browns are going to be, then this is a game they probably win. Not that, you know, if they drop to three and three, they could still go on a run and get to 12 and five or 11 and six. Like, I think that's completely possible. This is might be the toughest stretch of their schedule. Having said that, um, it feels like a game that you know they need they have something to prove and they need to bounce back. So I'm going 28-27. I, I think it'll be another close game. I think it'll be another exciting game. Boy, the way you were talking, I thought you were gonna pull one of those every 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 everything is leaning towards the Browns, and then you go, but the Cardinals are gonna win. <laughs> I know. I mean <laughs> you, you like, played that well. 
yeah, I mean, part of me, I don't know. It's weird. You know, you think ahead, you know, last week, like I thought they'd win last week, but you think ahead, okay, if they beat the Chargers, maybe they lose the Cardinals. If they lose the Cardinals, maybe they or lose to the Chargers, maybe they beat the Cardinals. It's, I kind of play that game with myself. Um, yeah. In, you know, the Cardinals obviously only scored 17 against the 49ers, so they can be limited. Um, you know, I, there's just some, some, there's concerns and a lot of them are injury factors, right? That's like, that's the biggest concern to me is how healthy are the Browns going to be? The other one is, you know, you talk about Stefanski not losing two in a row and that is true. And there's a lot to be said for that. And I think he coaches, his coaching style is perfect for that. Um, guys, you know, hit the reset button and come out and they correct their mistakes and they play better the next week. So I, I think all those are a factor. And I, that is a factor in me picking them to win. There's no doubt. But that streak's going to come to an end at some point, right? They're never going to yeah. not lose two games. And uh, playing an undefeated team with a bunch of injuries, it could be the time that that streak ends. Um, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to go with the Browns in another close one. Yeah, and that's kind of why I picked the, Bri- the Browns to lose in Minnesota. I wanted them to prove to me they could win a game like that on the road, and they did. Well, yeah. now someone, now the other team's got to prove that Stefanski's beatable twice in a row. Agreed. Right. At some point, it's going to happen, but I'm not going to predict it until it does. So I, I think even with the injuries, he finds a way to come up with a defensive game plan. They come together and they figure out a way. Now, obviously, we're both picking close games. You're a point. I'm three points. I don't disagree with you. It could easily be in the 20s. But you know what? It could be even higher than that if if we end up with a game like last week. I mean, it's right. it's not crazy to think both these offenses could do that. But uh, before yeah. I go... And the word go, that's our morning show, <laughs> is go on uh, Channel 3 in the mornings. And we just had Al Roker on this morning, Tuesday oh, morning. Nice. We, we always have Al on on Tuesdays. And he always does the same go team assemble with all of us. And we had shirts. And we had a shirt specially made for uh, Al this morning. Uh, and it's it lives on uh, social media right now if you want to check that out. But, oh, Scott, cool. I'll see what I can do about getting you a shirt. A, that a would be fantastic. I would appreciate that, Judd. <laughs> Could you can wear the free swag I can get. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can wear it in the morning when you're eating your pet track pebbles and uh, <laughs> get, getting ready for the, the long day in Berea that you yeah, have. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Right. Right before we go, just real quick, you, I think you make an interesting point about trying to, I, I think it's hard to try to tell where these games are going to land from a scoring standpoint. Right. And I know there's an over under out there. I don't know what it is. I, I assume it's pretty high. I guess in the fifties, um, 50 and a half, 50 and a half. Okay. But it's it's tough because there's so many fa- obviously there's so many factors blah blah, blah. but um, you know you watch the Browns do what they can do you know they can score you also know that they can slow down a game and I think that's what they'll try to do against Arizona is run it a bunch slow down the game keep the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands and all of a sudden if you get a couple of third down sacks and a couple of punts that's when the scoring comes down right and that's that's kind of see how that's kind of how I see Stefanski wanting to play this game. Is slow it down, shrink the number of possessions. Now they might score in every possession, but if you shrink them, all of a sudden you got a game that's in the twenties as opposed to the thirties or forties. So that's my final thought, Chud. I appreciate you being here again. Um, we'll do this next week, and we'll see if we got we got this one right. Okay. Love it. Sounds like a plan. Go Brownies Sunday. Thanks, Chud. Thanks for everybody listening. This has been the latest episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast, and you can read all my articles on brownzone.com. Thanks a lot.